Well, hello and welcome to church. Today, my name is Sats. My wife, Emma, and I, we're the lead pastors here at C3 Reflect, and it is truly our pleasure to get to share these few moments uh, with you. So thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're a church in London with locations in the Docklands and in Ballam. So do come and join us uh, Sundays at 10 a.m. Check out all the details uh, on the website. But a massive welcome to you. If you're new today, you can do a couple of things. That is, hit subscribe on YouTube so we can stay connected, and also jump on our mailing list, C3 reflect.church slash connect and we put out everything there so if you feel like I don't know what's happening then uh, now you know get on the the mailing list and uh, it's all good so we've been in this series called influences and it's been quite special because it's really making up I guess kind of part of our vision um, for our church and uh, our vision being influence Uh, we want to shape the culture that we live in and we want to um, glorify God Uh, we want to reflect the image of God I mean it's it's in our name right reflection in the sense of of showcasing who he is and the creativity and the wonder of the kingdom of God but also reflecting internally staying healthy and processing and in a good emotional place as well and so we're going to find that out of a healthy internal world we're going to have a healthy external world and we're actually going to have something to bring um, to the culture and the world and the city that we find ourselves um, in and so we've been on this journey of traveling through the series we're in week eight and we've got one more week next week um, and then we'll actually invite you to uh, become an influencer and so jump on the mailing list to find out all about how that works and uh, all the details of that But today we're talking about this word service, service, which is all around the idea of making others great. We're making other people great. I want to read you a scripture that talks about Jesus. And this is what it says in uh, uh, Philippians 2, um, verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorites uh, because for me, this just sums up who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus is God. He's above all. And yet, even though he has that status and that quality and that nature, he emptied himself and he became uh, in a different form so that he could serve us. And when it says he emptied himself, like that's, that's a literal emptying. It's not a metaphorical. He literally poured out his life on a cross and was crucified for you and I. And, and, and therefore, God exalted him. So here we see the result of humility is exaltation. And so when we serve others, we're going to find that God is actually going to kind of bless what we do. When we have the posture, like Jesus did there, of a servant. 
And so, wow, if, if we can uh, bring that quality into our worlds, we really can change the world. Because let's be honest, most people in your workplace, most people in your family are not there to serve. Most people in life are looking to get whatever they can for themselves. I mean, that's our natural posture, isn't it? That's our default, I'm just taking care of me. I mean, why not? Who else is gonna do it? And this, of course, is where Jesus is radically changing, uh, you know, everything about the framework of what it means to be human, because instead of using his power and using his status and using his authority to get what he wants, instead he lets go of it all and he chooses to be someone who serves. And in doing so, in the strangest of paradoxes, he's actually exalted and now becomes I mean, let's face it, everybody's heard of Jesus. <laughs> you know, we haven't heard of every religious leader there's ever been. There's plenty that you couldn't name right now. But Jesus is the most influential person that has ever lived, even for those who are not from a church background, even for those who uh, hate religion and don't like Christianity. Uh, maybe that's you today and you just stumbled across this video. Well, even when you let out a swear word every now and then, the name of Jesus will come out. Why? Because he is the most influential person in all of our history. And that is something worth stopping at. I'm wondering why and the answer is right there because even though he was God he took on the form of a servant you see to, to, to influence is to serve to serve is to influence maybe we've got it all wrong instead of trying to make ourselves bigger and take every opportunity and go 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 for it maybe instead what we should be doing is thinking about how we can serve how can we serve our colleagues how can we serve our wife our husband how can we serve our children? How can we serve our boss? How can we serve our parents? And watch and see as God will actually exalt you. But serving is hard. And here's, here's what I figured out, is that serving requires you to be totally secure in who you are. And here we see Jesus, who is God. I mean, talk about an identity. I mean, he's got it all, he's God. And, and it was only from that position of total security that he was able to come down, to stoop to our level to serve us. See, confidence comes from knowing who we are and knowing our identity. And I wanna just speak over you right now. I don't, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you've been, but what I do know is that you are a child of God and you are loved by God. In fact, Jesus gave his life for you. So that tells me something about the value that is placed on your life, whether you see it, whether you feel it, whether you experience it, whether you believe it, it doesn't change the value that God has placed on you. You are worthy of his love, apparently. According to him, he's poured out his love on you. You are loved by God. See, it's when we don't, don't feel that confidence on the inside of us, then we're gonna find that most of our life becomes about trying to get that from somewhere. In fact, most of our world is seeking for greatness. This whole idea of greatness is really appealing to many people, including myself. You know, wow, the idea of being great, that'd be awesome. The idea of being known, well, that'd be awesome. 
Well, the problem is, is when we pursue these things from, from a perspective of, of trying to uh, complete us or trying to fulfill us, if I was just more popular, if I just had more money, uh, when I achieve that status, when I go to that place, when, when I have this material asset, when, when I don't have to work anymore, when, uh, you know, whatever category or, or, or thing we would use to define, we're chasing this idea of greatness mostly to, to deal with an issue internal to our heart which is simply this, that we may not feel that we have much of value. Maybe nobody told us, maybe we've never experienced it from our own parents, maybe we've uh, grown up in a very competitive, academic, uh, high achieving sort of environment where nothing was enough. And we're gonna find that, that whatever our environment, however positive it was, there will always be parts of our heart that feel like we are not enough. And if we're not careful, how we live our life becomes a pursuit of the thing that is supposed to complete us. And yet, no matter how close we get to it, there's always another thing. And there's always another goalpost. And there's always something else to try to attain. But right now today, your starting point, if, if you allow God, to speak into your heart right now can be that you are loved. Because it's only from a place of knowing that you are loved that you can serve other people. Otherwise, you need other people to serve you so that you feel confident and you feel secure in the inside. But when we understand that we are loved by God, we are actually suddenly free to actually go and serve our world without needing to search for external affirmation and validation to complete who we are. You see, the heart posture of greatness is just like Jesus. It is to be a servant. And when we posture ourselves in our world to serve, we're going to find that God is going to bless what we do. God is going to increase what we do and God is going to elevate us. And so we need to understand that, that humility is not just about, you know, uh, me becoming less. There's that famous scripture, you know, that I would be less, that Christ would be more. Well, here's the thing about you serving. And I just want to throw your way is that if you serving becomes less, then there's less serving. In other words, what we need less of is less selfish orientation, less selfish ambition, less me, me, me. But what I need more of is I need more of Christ in me. And therefore, humility is not about me kind of becoming this small, lowly, hyper humble sort of wet blanket of a personality that I just I'm always kind of running around groveling after people. You're going to find that that doesn't serve people at all. And actually, humility is not about me kind of retreating. Humility is actually about me. Uh, uh, it's actually about you becoming more. So humility is not about me becoming less. It's actually about my a goal and my effort to elevate you and to increase you and to bless you. And so when I wake up in the morning and, hey, I'm not perfect, so I'm not sure I do this 100% of the time, but, but I'm thinking about maybe my wife. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about how I can encourage them. I'm thinking about how I can serve them. I'm thinking about how I can help them. And in my friendships, with my, uh, in my conversations with my friends, you know, I'm not just thinking thinking about my problems and the stuff that's going on in my world, but I'm listening to them and I'm posturing myself and I'm positioning myself. And when we get to the workplace, I'm not just thinking about the project that I'm on and the roles and responsibilities that I have, but I'm thinking about the whole thing. I'm thinking about the pressures that everybody else is feeling and I'm posturing myself as somebody who is there to serve. You will find that if you take on the position of servant, you will have influence in your workplace. And you will find if you posture yourself as Jesus 
existed, God will be able to exalt you and to shape the culture and the environment that you find yourself in. You see, to serve is not to be weak. To serve is actually a sign of strength. It's a sign of security. I know who I am, therefore I can serve. Jesus knew who he was, therefore he was able to empty himself because he was a, had something to empty himself of. It's only when you know who you are that you begin to bless because you're not trying to find external validation. I want to read you a really interesting story in Genesis um, 37. And you, you, you may know it. It's the story of Joseph and his brothers. And uh, there was a guy once called Jacob, also known as Israel. And he had all these sons and, and Joseph was one of his sons. And this, this, is what, this is what it says. And Joseph, if you don't know that the story of Joseph is Joseph was someone who, 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 who had that servant heart. And everywhere he went, he just served and God just kept exalting him and exalting him and exalting him and setback after setback. It's a famous story. And this is what it says in Genesis 37 verse 1. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bila and Zilpah, his father's wives. Now, Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph. That's Jacob, by the way. Israel, same, same person, different name. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So here, here right now we, we have Joseph who is the favorite son. Okay, uh, we've got Jacob who has got 12 sons and out of those 12 sons, He's got one who is his favorite. Now, I want you to think about the impact that that has on those kids, on their identity. Joseph knows that he is loved. And incidentally, by the way, we've got all sorts of different wives going on here as well. So this is a messy family thing. Sometimes we read in the Bible, we think, oh, it must be okay because it's in there. No, no, no. Every time that marriage becomes messy like this, it, is, it never has a good outcome for the next generation. And so we see that Joseph is highly favored. And Joseph, uh, well, let's read on to see, see, see what happens. But, but we see that the brothers, uh, there's something internally not going on right. Uh, this is what it says. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Uh, and then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So here we have one, one guy who maybe a little bit of immaturity happening there. He's, he's getting all these wonderful dreams and he's sharing them which may, may not have been the right, right thing to do, which goes to show just because God has gifted us something with it doesn't mean we shouldn't apply wisdom. And so every gift has to be ruled by common sense. And so if you know the story, it doesn't work out very well for him, the fact that he shared those dreams. But I want to come back to this idea of knowing that you are loved because Joseph was somebody who knew that he was loved. He was the favorite son. And, and look at what that did for him. It, it opened up this capacity to dream. 
It opened up this confidence and this boldness bordering on arrogance that was just like, I know who I am. In other words, he didn't have to go and look for external validation because he already had that growing up from his father. And, 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 and to pick on Jacob a little bit, like, what, what was he doing? He's got all these other sons and his, all the other sons know that they are out of favor. He makes a special coat for his favorite son. I mean, this is not good parenting, guys. <laughs> this, is, this is a recipe for disaster. And what happens is that in, in the, 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 those who were not favored, those who felt the absence of love made some really poor decisions. That their decision-making from that point was, was uh, motivated by a need for approval, a need for attention. Why? Because they had been ignored. They'd been abandoned. They'd been not preferred. They'd not been given attention and focus and, and celebration. And so we see that, that, that what happens next in, in the story. And so as we read on, uh, they, 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 they figure out a way to kill Joseph. So that's pretty intense, isn't it? like brothers killing another brother. But such was the, 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 the lostness of their heart that they, they were just, we need to get rid of this guy because he is taking up all of the attention. And so this is what it says in, in verse 18. They saw him from afar and before uh, he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what becomes of his dreams. This is the product of people who are not loved. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. But when Reuben heard it, he's the eldest, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue them out of, of their hand to restore him to his father. So they came and they killed him. And, and eventually the story goes that they, they sold him. They said, why? Well, best not kill him after all. And they sold him. And Reuben, who was the firstborn, Man, there's a whole complicated story here because a couple of chapters early, we, we read that actually Reuben kind of slept with one of his father's wives. I mean, this, the Bible is messy stuff. And so Reuben was planning to come back to rescue Joseph. Why? So that he could take Joseph all the way back to Jacob and gain the favor of his father. In other words, this family, man, this is a messed up family. I don't know what your family's like, but there's some complications happening right here. But what we need to understand is that, 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 that confidence comes from knowing that we're loved. And when we are seeking for external validation, we will always find that we posture ourselves incorrectly. We will always find that we are thirsty for people's approvals and therefore the decisions that we make and the places that we go and the way that we conduct ourselves will not be of service, but will be of trying to get something externally. And I find that many of us when we come to the root of the issue, many of us are living in that sort of tension. But we have not taken the time to develop that identity on the inside. And so when people talk about serving and giving and, and anything that's about other people, we try and love people, but it's always out of the wrong motivation. It's always out of the wrong ambition. But if we look at Jesus, what Jesus did is first he had a strong identity and then he emptied himself. So I'm believing for us to become a church that is full of strength, that we can be people who serve not just inside the church, but also in our workplaces and our families, that we can be lifting up others, that we would carry the posture of a servant. What does it say about Joseph? Just a couple of chapters later, there's a whole story and 
I don't want to take too much of your time to go into it, but maybe you know a little bit that he's sold into slavery and then he gets accused of a crime and he gets sent into prison and then, and then he manages to ascend out of prison and becomes essentially like the prime minister of Egypt. And he's elevated just as Jesus was elevated. So Joseph is elevated. And, and this is what it says in, in chapter 39, verse 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. This is in the prison and showed him what? Steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. I want want you to imagine what your life could look like if you could write that about yourself, (laughs) that the Lord was with you and whatever you did, it succeeded. Maybe one of the reasons we don't see the hand of God at work in our life is because our posture is incorrect. It's not that God doesn't want to elevate us. It's simply that God can't elevate us when our posture is not correct. It's only when we put on humility that we're actually going to be able to be exalted because here's the reality is that when God elevates you and God grows you and God blesses you and God uses you he is giving you more responsibility this is the thing nobody wants to talk about you know we we have this these these idealistic uh, dreams of riches and fame and influence and all these things but what we don't understand is that those things with great power as I said to Spider-Man, Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. And God wants to bless your life. God wants to increase your life, but not just for kicks. He does it so that you would be able to shape the culture according to his word. He does it so that you would be able to bless people according to his heart. He does it so that you could be his, his, uh, his hands and his feet in this world. But if we are not postured correctly, God can't elevate you. And so we need to get our heart in check. And we need to allow the, the, the steadfast love of God to fill us and change us and to be convinced that we are truly fully loved. I'll just read you one more scripture from Matthew 20. And uh, some of the disciples of Jesus, it's quite funny. In, in Matthew 20, verse 20, it says, And the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And uh, she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink? And they said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grab, but it's for those who for whom that it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, that's the other disciples, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them uh, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man, as Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for for many. So here these two disciples are saying, hey, how can we be great? How can we be an influence? Hey, give us power. Give us, give us more. Lord, we're ready. And Jesus says, are you really ready? Do you really understand what you're asking? The cup that he was going to drink 
was to go to the cross. <laughs> the cup that he was going to bear was to take on the responsibility of all of sin. That's kind of like a pretty big weight. He says, do you understand what, what, what influence looks like? Do you understand what power looks like? Do you understand what elevation and exaltation looks like? Do you understand what blessing is for? It's so that you can carry responsibility in the kingdom and you can be my mouthpiece. You can be uh, the carrier of my presence into the world. God isn't just blessing us just for fun, although he loves you. He's blessing you so that you can touch this generation, so that you can have an impact on your world. Let's take on the posture of a servant. And let's choose to be people who follow Jesus and shape our culture, but from a heart that is not pursuing selfish ambition, but a heart that is truly here to serve. I want to just pray for us as we close. And hey, maybe there's someone here today and you realize you have been pursuing maybe the right things for the wrong reasons. That's it, isn't it? No one can often see what's going on in our heart. But there are little moments where the Holy Spirit will convict us. And will just challenge us. Hey, what, what's going on over here? And I really want to just bring it back to just the thought that we opened up with. That, that you are loved. You don't have to accomplish. You don't need to pursue anything. In fact, I just see some people who've been carrying that burden of perfectionism. Maybe your dad, your mum. There was just a pressure you're never enough. Maybe like some of Joseph's brothers, you were just a little bit lost, a little bit disconnected, a little bit overlooked. Hey, earthly families are, are a thing. And I don't know what your environment's like, but I know that pretty much nobody has a perfect family. And maybe yours has been worse than others. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that you have a father in heaven. You see, God is like the father of all fathers because he's the father of Adam. So no matter what your earthly connection is, you can come back to your spiritual connection. The one who breathed the DNA of mankind into existence, the creator. And I'm here to tell you today that your father in heaven loves you. And as we take a little bit of time just to simply breathe in and experience his love, and this is why we pray this is why we gather. This is why we spend time in the presence of God and worship. It's because we need to be reminded that whatever we're trying to do, we are already enough. And we find that if we do that, we'll have this posture that will bless our world and God will be able to use us and will be able to bless our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, God, for any weight, pressure that people have in their lives to be more than they are. I thank you right now that you would just release that weight in the name of Jesus. We submit every pursuit and every ambition and every dream that is on our heart. And we thank you, Lord. We take on the posture. We choose to follow you. We choose to drink the cup of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just as you did in communion, we choose to share in your mission and your dream. We abandon our own. And we say, Jesus, we're here to follow you forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much for joining today. I hope you've enjoyed today. It's encouraged you. Make sure you check out the other weeks as well. If you haven't already, they're really important. And uh, jump on the mailing list, of course, c3reflect.church slash connect. We'll see you guys soon.